0: All right, Rockstar Nation, I got a great guest today. Susan Reinhardt is the Agent Shrink. Yes, <laughs> the Agent Shrink. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Susan. She, uh, she currently lives in Annapolis, Maryland, but she's lived in uh, 10 different places. She's a realtor's dream in every place she moves because she's buying and then she's shortly selling Uh, as soon as she moves there and moves into a new place. She's raised four kids as a naval wife and is a, a, by trade, a psychologist. And she started thinking about how being a real estate agent is very similar to being a psychologist. And she got her real estate license and now is a very successful real estate agent. And I said, you know what, you should come on the show and talk about you know, about exactly that, right? Because no one really talks about that, how we can be better shrinks, how we can be better, you know, think like a shrink to sell. I need to think of a rhyme here <laughs> to, for sales numbers that don't stink, but you know, think, so th- this is what she's doing and uh, I'm excited to get into it. So let's uh, jump right into it. Susan, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars.
1: Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Hey, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, maybe anything I didn't mention uh, so we can get to know you better?
1: No, I think you covered it. Yeah, military spouse, go Navy, beat Army. (laughs) 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 Woo-hoo. So um, 17 years active duty with my husband. Being, We've been married 17 years, all active duty. So I have a master's degree in psychology. I loved doing that. But like most many military spouses, when the birth of my first child, I stopped working um, and made a... Job out of moving, so we settled down and knew it was time for me to go back to work years you know back and, and love real estate
0: that's awesome and and so let's talk about that now you have something you call the three characteristics of a good shrink agent, right three mm-hmm. characteristics where the life of a psychologist right whatever. Mirrors or runs parallel to the life of a real estate agent, and I want to talk about them. I want to talk about them one by one, and then I want to talk about how to implement them to make the Rockstar Nation better at uh, dealing with people, and mm-hmm. and therein uh, allowing them to to close more deals and allowing them to hold on to more deals uh, because they're better people persons. Um, for lack of a better way to put it. So so let's talk about that. So what would you say the first and most important characteristic is th- to be more shrink-like as an agent?
1: <laughs> shrink-like. Um, <laughs> um, well, let me backpedal just a little to let you know why I came to this. I, um, I got my license, interviewed brokers. I went in every day to the office, briefcase in hand, and I did everything you're supposed to do. I loved reading about it. I loved the training. I loved listening to coaches online. They all talked about a sphere of influence, the sphere of influence. Mine was limited. I was transported to a state via the military, hadn't been living there long, and honestly had never worked a job in the state, didn't go to school. I didn't have a friend before moving there. So I had to go back to what the tools in my toolbox and my training and education and said, okay, they're telling me to do XYZ door knock, and I think that's great, but if it's not true to who you are, which it was not me, I want to go back to my roots in education. So I, I wrote down, what do I think early on in my career? Three characteristics of a good, psycho- a good psychologist that mirror a good agent would be. So um, number one, it, it seems easy, all these, but you'll be surprised, um, confidentiality. It comes easily with my clients and myself. We have a rapport. Remember, if a client trusts you, they're going to share more with you. They'll open up, they'll be more honest.
0: All right. So let's talk about this. So, you know, obviously when you come down, uh, you know, and, and you sit down with your psychotherapist or whoever it is you're meeting with, you know, they're saying they're letting you know, hey, you know, there's certain fiduciary relationships that I have as your doctor and anything you tell me is completely private will not leave this room. Most agents do not have a similar conversation right most agents conversation is about what i'm going to do for you or can i get you a list of houses or whatever right so so how should you broach this conversation about confidentiality
1: well i think uh, first of all i think let's even step back realtor to realtor what i witnessed early on is um i was surprised how agents were not encompassing the concept of confidentiality um you know I heard gossiping in offices other agents telling me facts they shouldn't and I I still say my favorite is when an agent calls you Pat and says between you and me right and I go and my client you know like they don't understand that so when I speak with clients whatnot if it comes up that I'm a psychologist I do let them know I had a couple recently going through a difficult time and I let them know and I had to reassure them that I understand confidentiality my education and training and but these are more the characteristics that makes a good realtor. And then we can talk about how different things apply to us like different- Right, and,
0: and, and, but so, so confidentiality, like what, what are some things that you hear other agents disclosing that they shouldn't be?
1: Well, I think sometimes the open office space, um, I pay for a private office because I think sometimes you hear a lot in the workspace in offices. I think sometimes it's not the place to have certain conversations. Or they'll, you know, agents will tell you X, Y, Z. You go to a broker's open house and agents, agents start gossiping. And I just found that interesting. And again, it's part of my, how I was going to transform maybe a certain, you know, public's perception of we are professionals. Because before I became a realtor, like, you know, are we a professional or are we trade? We get that all the time. And I think I saw some of the behaviors in agents that, And I'm not not disengaged, it's not that,
0: but, you know, I wanted to change it. And so. So, so essentially you're, you're, you treat it the same and, and whatever anybody tells you, you keep it, you keep it to yourself and that's it. uh, Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think that all agents should explain uh, what the word fiduciary means, explain what, what the relationship looks like and why why it's important to have that conversation and it obviously should be done right away right. um because buyers and sellers they don't they don't get it they don't understand it and
1: a lot of times they just think you're someone they clicked on the internet and or again their perception of realtors i think needs to change our consumer they're becoming more educated
0: right right and Yeah, and the value of a real estate agent is diminishing based on, uh, you know, technology. And so as agents, we need to work harder than ever to show our value. And one of the ways you could do that is to treat it more professionally yourself as an agent, uh, such as a doctor or lawyer would with um, a certain level of confidentiality, certain level of, of, you know, Exactly. Right. And so it's our own fault that agents are looked at. You had mentioned it, so I'm going to bring it up, that agents are looked at as unprofessional. It's our own fault. And, and obviously this characteristic is a lot of the reason.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right on. You're right on. And again, it's not disrespecting it. There are fabulous agents and many are following, but like you said, I think when we we have to change how we first meet a client. Like you said, it's not that, hey, I got these houses for you. Let's go, let's go. I got a good deal. Here are my numbers. I'm a top producer. They don't want, the consumer doesn't want to be sold anymore. They've made that clear. And how they're buying online. They don't want to walk in a store. They don't want to be sold. So, yes. So, I think our first impression in our first meeting, whether it be on the phone or in person with them, is just to, like you said, talk about fiduciary duties and, you know, give them a little language that lets them know we're professionals.
0: I like that. Okay, cool. What's the second characteristic?
1: Again, to be this is second characteristic to being a good agent. Not how to apply is different. Um, a good listener. Again, it seems obvious, sounds like a no-brainer, but I would be a lousy psychologist if I can't listen to people. Your clients may be polite and ask questions about you, but we know they don't really care. So try to quick. I try to quickly transfer it back to them because what they really want to talk about is their how the house they saw, what's going on, things like that. And so be a good listener and. Find a way to turn it back to them. I I was surprised hearing agents talk so much about themselves or their problems. Again, if we're going to be seen as professions within the industry, I don't want to go to my accountant and hear that he was up all night with his dog and he's tired. And, you know, I don't want to wait for that appointment with my doctor and get half because they're telling me their personal life. It's all about me. And I think when we approach a client, we have to remember they're our client and it's all about them all the time.
0: Okay, so let's let's stop here. Let's talk about how to implement this. You know, you know, like how do I implement characteristic number two?
1: Okay, very good point. So, for example, I did a lot of online Zillow leads. Okay, so I meet the client at the house, and now I'm like, okay, I know how the characteristics to be a good agent. Let me now start applying it to my clients. You ask them these questions, and like I said, you're image and the image of everyone going to therapy session what is it it's you sitting on the couch as the client and the psychologist and what is the first question they ask you
0: for a shrink if i'm because i've been and uh, you know so i'll tell you flat out um, you know what brings you here today
1: exactly exactly and i ask the same almost exact same question to the buyers when i meet them uh, on the footsteps of a new home what brings you here today Specifically, what about this home attracted you to click on it and whatnot? Again, right there, you're setting a dynamic that I'm kind of the caretaker or the question leading and guiding, but I'm looking to you and I'm respecting you. And I think many counselors, that's our approach to counseling, is we want to be a part of a team, but we're here to guide you along your journey.
0: So are you asking them like a shrink would, okay, so what brings you here today? Oh, well, we want to buy a house. Okay, so why do you want to buy a house? You like, like in the shrink's office, it seems like the whole thing is you, you you're, you're going. Uh, as a friend of mine you used to say, going three deep, right? You're going deep with the W's. So, why do you want to buy a house? What will a house? How will a house make you feel? Um, what is it no, about a not house? Bad.
1: Not that. Not the first time. I say that for the second time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So what are you doing? Like, how you? Talk, talk to me about, you know, more, more about this then. Like, what, okay. what are you doing differently that makes you a better listener, you know, because of your background?
1: Um, I think not as much a better listener, but asking good follow-on questions. I think well, if you give me, ask...
0: Give me, give me the questions.
1: Well, yeah, like you said, you meet someone at the house and what you ask them, you know, what specifically, why are you here today? What specifically, Pat? Why did you click on this house that made you want to meet me here today? Because I'm sure you have viewed hundreds of homes online before clicking. What made you click on this house? And that usually opens up. We're looking to move. Okay, you put that in your head, and then you'll ask the following questions: When are you looking to move? You try to consolidate. If you, you shrink. You said right. We don't. <laughs> but you're. You know. They'll. They'll listen to you. And then their follow-on question may be compounded. Again, it's our training. It may be compounded with a couple questions into one that I want answers. How long are you looking to move and why are you moving? You know, things like that. So you just, you listen to them and you hear them. And, you know, it's, again, it's, I I walked through, an agent asked me to help walk through with buyers recently. And the agent was like, look at the granite countertops. And I, you know, I, I entered the agent afterwards. They don't need us pointing that out. Again, our consumers are more educated, and if we're going to continue to demand our worth and show our worth, we have to implement it. And I think by acting professional, listening to them, and not saying, look at the granite countertops, look at stainless steel. They know these things. They all watch HGTV if they're buying a home or selling. So we kind of get into the psychological portion of, you know, buying a home. And real estate is a far more emotional business than people realize.
0: It is. And uh, if it's not, if a person's unemotional, then they they may be more better suited for, um, you know, and I'm thinking way off in the future or, or maybe not, maybe the near future, right? And talking about how the real estate agent's value is dissipating, it, it really is. And the, the lock boxes now for rentals don't require an agent, right? They just require you to put in your your driver's license and maybe a credit card to look at a house um, uh, without an agent. You know, you can get the value of your house without an agent. You can get full access to the MLS and more without an agent. So agents are having to spend more time and effort becoming professional, becoming valued. And I -hmm. think that if someone is unemotional about buying and or selling, they're going to be more apt to use discounted services okay. that allow them to, to do it. And the ones that want someone who's going to be there for them to hold their hand and to uh, go through this emotional process with them, essentially paying for it, are going to expect it a lot more. Right. And, um, and that's why agents need to be better because of, because of, if not the consumers is going to be like, well, I can get this from a robot, or I can get this from anybody, you know, and and save money or or what have you. So, so no, you're
1: right. I say, you know, we we get paid too much money to shuffle papers only during a t- transaction. They don't need us to help shuffle papers, right? And you're exactly right. I don't believe we'll be replaced. I believe all the economists, and I just came from a convention, international one. I don't believe we'll be replaced, but I do. I'm not naive. I do believe the consumer has spoken and they don't want to pay five to 6% anymore. I think we can only, we can only fight them so long, but there is a difference between a discounted and maybe a disruptor they're calling it, I think nowadays. Right. But I mean, and I, we won't be replaced, but I think our value and our, what we do is going to change and the image of what they need us for is going to change. And there's going to be a lot of, we have to respect artificial intelligence can do things in the back end, And administrators can do things I think that's why we're seeing the you know just the explosion of teams because I predict the future there's going to be less of us and we're going to be doing more work but we're not going to be we're going to do more transactions the number but we're not going to be being paid as much for transactions we're going to have to do more but I think it's going to weed out you know I think a prediction I read was two-thirds of agents are going to be gone in the next seven to ten years.
0: Amazing read for agents who want to blow their business up. Six Steps to Seven Figures was an amazing read. Pat breaks it down into simple, actionable steps that if taken will almost guarantee seven-figure success in the real estate sales business. Couldn't recommend this enough. Wow, thank you for the awesome Amazon review, Gero 215. Now, do you want to get your hands on this book for free and blow your business up? Here's the Go to the free six steps That's free six steps right now, or simply text the word Pat to four 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 nine nine nine. That's text Pat to four 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 nine nine nine, and I'll send you a free book. there's definitely going to be some consolidation indeed. So, okay. So, 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 so being a better listener, like how many questions should you be asking roughly per statement? Right. Most agents are uh, just making statements. And what's a good conscious thing to think about? Like I should ask three questions per every one statement I make or whatever. What's your kind of rule of thumb there?
1: No, that's not. I Kind of just start with the opening and they usually open the flood. And then, you know, as again, you've now asked them that you're in the house and you listen to them. I do tell them, I take notes, I pull out my iPhone, you know, I have a little notes on every client. Um, again, this is a psychologist to me. I actually send a summary after every day of showings with them. Um, and what I choose to pick out and comment on, or it's always their voice, never my voice, but I tend to th- pick out things that I want them to focus on. I'm not going to put you didn't like the red paint in the dining room because that's a non-factor. We know that as agents. But I put things that are reminder of what they said, and it's kind of a subconscious way to re- focus on this, right? Well, you like the location, you like that. But um, when we go through, I tell them, I say, listen, just speak out loud, talk out loud to yourself, and I'm gonna take notes. It's my first time meeting you, and I want to see what's important to you, what stands out. I said negative is just as important and helpful as positive. And then I just I follow them through. I mean, we talk, I'm not a mute, but Again, it's, it's their time. It's their, it's their
0: hour. Yeah, and I love the level of professionalism because, you know, it makes me think, like, when I was at the therapist, you know, if I were to come in and she would not have any idea of what we spoke about last time, Correct. it would piss me off, right? Because then, you know, I'd have to backtrack. And, and so, you know, it was nice for her to say, okay, so when we left off last time, we were talking about this. How are you feeling about it now? da. Um, And it's the same way. You should be like, hey, you know, when we when we met last time, you didn't like this house because of this, and you didn't like this house because of this. I mean, it's just it's just a it's just a whole other level of professionalism. Um, and
1: it takes i i open a new note you know iphone the little note i open a new note for each client i just keep adding on to it because i'm pulling up to a house you know we all can be working with 20 30 buyers a time, you know what i mean and i pull up to a house and i scroll through quickly just as what was the last summer same as you do as a counselor right what was he concerned about last session where are our goals so that's the other thing you want to talk about psychologists are goal oriented you want to talk about that um it's our training. It's our background. If you've ever been a physical therapy, she had to write out goals for the insurance company. Those goals had to be measurable. They had to be on a time frame, and she had to submit them to the insurance company. Insurance company isn't just going to pay a physical therapist money for doing physical therapy. They have to present goals, and this is what we're working on. So I think the same should be with real estate. Um, it's, we have to help set goals for our clients whether it depends on the client some you may do on your own okay this is my goal you try to include them as often as you can but not everyone yeah, so how do you
0: like let's talk about this so let's okay. say you're working with a buyer or a seller what would be the example of a goal that you would set for them and say this is my goal for you
1: well I? I first ask them and then i help word it and i reward it in a way that you know has the positive so how would you ask
0: them like what would the question look like well
1: oh. What do you? When well, we talked about outside, you know, you told me, pal, you were looking to buy in six to 12 months. Okay. All right. So great. You're looking six to 12 months or, you know, we'll talk about, you know, I get into it later. Are you in a lease? I don't ask a lot of those details the first time meeting them. The whole presentation is going to be about them and not that wrote questions that every other agent's asking them. So it's a, you know, letting them see the value in us again, that they can use me. So, yeah. So I do ask them, you know, you know, if they, what are your goals? What do you expect out of this? What do you want? And then we talk about, okay, so six to 12 months, that's a timeline. Okay, what is the measurable? What are you looking to do? How, you know, if it's a younger couple, I recently, six months ago, they wanted to save X amount of money. Okay, how are you working on that What are you doing? So we stepped back on a different day and we talked about that. Again, I put that back in my head and in my notes to bring it up on a later date.
0: So you're kind of like you're their coach, like they're, you're their accountability partner and helping them through everything right
1: um, wasn't that your counselor
0: yeah right like what do you want to, what do you want to do between now and the next session right Correct. or what do you want to do between now and the next time we meet well I want to do this okay so you put it down and then you hold them accountable when you meet that you know how did that go did, were you able to do that
1: and to flip it i tend to give a follow up assignment for myself to them without them knowing that i will if it's on me, I may not send it out. But if I say to them, I'm gonna send you this by right, tomorrow, give yourself some time, I will not not follow through with my word with my clients. So I also, yeah, you're gonna set them up, but set yourself up with one. Hey, you know what? I know a house that sold down the street. You want to touch them as often as you can in the beginning. Same way as say, you know, as much as you can, you're involved in showing them your value. There was a house that just sold. I'm gonna email it to you. They may even say, oh, we saw, so okay. But I already said I was gonna email it to them. I didn't tell them that. I'll still email it to them and i think it's important to follow up on what you say you're going to do
0: easy easy way to lose a customer is cuz and so many agents do it and myself myself included when i was in the business you know oh oh i'll send that to you or i'll get that to you i still do it today with people that i meet you know what i mean if i'm at a, something busy and i think that it 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 goes back to the habit of writing things down and you have a habit as a psychologist of writing Mm-hmm. And, you know, stuffed down, and I think as agents, we need to slow down and start writing things down. Send this to Phil, right? Mm-hmm. Margaret needs this. You know what I mean? Because, cause the fact of the matter is, so I much agree. that goes on in an agent's mind, just so much. There's so much feedback nowadays. It's easy to forget stuff,
1: but it's also easier than ever to. When I started, you know, years. 25 years, it's like, oh, we didn't have iPhones to take notes. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have a Surface Pro. Um, so it's easy on your phone. Everybody has a note system on their phone. And again, I just have a running tally one with the same for each client. And it's easy to go back and reference it. And because, yeah. So I, I, think, know- I think
0: I would even have a conversation with them maybe at the same time when you're talking about the confidentiality. So like, here's the thing. I think like a psychologist does, I'm not sending a text. Right, I'm not checking Facebook. When you see me on my phone, I'm writing into my notes. Oh, uh, yes, about us, and one hundred percent of permission. my attention is you.
1: Yeah. yeah, I ask permission. Yeah, hey, I'm going to follow you through. Do you mind? I'm taking notes on this, and uh, exactly that. Don't think I'm on the phone. It's all here. I'm taking notes on what you're saying. It helps me better understand what you're looking for in a home, so I can help you. Because yeah. again, I think our goal. We talked about this. I don't know if we get paid when our goal is met your clients are happy when their goal is met for the most it's either purchasing or selling a home, right? So I want to be as efficient in meeting that goal. I want to minimize the time and I want to do it ethically and professionally so that I'm not selling them, if that makes sense. So how can we most efficiently and painlessly help our clients meet that goal?
0: Yeah, no, I love that. Okay. So let me go back a little bit. Um, because we started jumping into how to implement, which I think was important while we talked about it. So why don't we talk about how to implement the confidentiality thing um, now? um, Like, how, how do you implement that? Like, do you have a certain speech that you have, that you give them more or less right when you first meet them? You know, what do we need to know about that?
1: I kind of wait until it's the time some will just come they come as you know they come and they share their whole lives with you and um sometimes if i can tell they'll be hesitant especially i mean i'll kind of make reminders throughout this journey of home bu- i'm talking about home buyers home buying and you notice when they tense up is when you ask them what they're thinking of offering right they want to place an offer in a house what do you think you you can see them looking at each other and tense up and that's where you have to remind them guys i work for you let's talk about the confidentiality you know we, we talked about it before then but it's a reminder so i don't need to remind them and bring it in their face all the time if it's not if it's not an issue
0: So now let's jump to the third characteristic. Third characteristic of a agent shrink. I know you hate that word, probably, but but what's the what's the third characteristic that we can look at that the the world of psychology and the world of being a realtor where they meet
1: mm-hmm. are
0: very similar.
1: Moral compass. Um, you have to have some sort of moral compass to be a good psychologist. Someone doesn't dedicate their lives into helping others for not a lot of pay in reality, um, unless there's a, they have a strong moral compass. Um, so my advice to people, keep your moral moral compass in check. I noticed, um, well, we always say no transaction is, no one transaction is worth your license. And we know that's true, but I noticed people's moral compass, the pin tends to sway the higher the price tag of the home. And, um, just try to keep a moral compass, you know, in psychology, I can't sway my ethics and everything and competent because of this person or that We, we treat everyone the same, but we don't have a value. We have an hourly rate and we charge everyone the same. I think what the difference here in real estate is every client has a different value. They're worth different amounts to us. And I think that's unique about this industry is so don't let your moral compass sway because.
0: Well, that's, that's interesting that you brought that up. I'm glad you did. And I want to talk to you about it. Now, here's the thing. So agents, and let's, I'm going to generalize, there are some agents whose moral compasses sway mm-hmm. dependent upon the amount of the commission they're going to get. Yeah. Um, you said higher price range, but it's a, certainly related to commission. And I used to teach a leadership class with Kristen Cole. And I'll never forget one of her big things that I always remembered is she, when she talked about morals is she would say, treat every dilemma or every question you have as if money were not part of the equation.
1: I love that. Love that. Absolutely. Yep.
0: And so this is becoming a dilemma for a lot of agents right now. And uh, let's just go ahead and dig in. So what is happening is in most MLS systems, the control of the cooperating commission is in the hands of the seller. And sometimes it's blocked or audited or edited or whatever you want to say by the listing agent. But generally, it's supposed to come from the seller, i.e. the seller has the choice of picking it. And a lot of companies are coming out And um, they're not giving guidance to the sellers, and the sellers are just, you know, saying, hey, let's try it at at A percent instead of B percent or C percent instead of D percent. Mm -hmm. Builders are out there who are saying, you know what, Uh, the price of lumber uh, with the Canadian tariffs has jacked our prices up. We can't make these margins. I'm going to drop all our co-op commissions by, you know, B percent. And so what's happening, and 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 there's agents, I mean, I'm talking to agents all around North America, even, you know, farther than that. And, and, um, you know, this is starting to happen in pockets. And there is a moral dilemma that is, that agents are facing, and that is this. Is providing you don't have a buyer broker agreement, which everybody tries to say that they do have a buyer broker agreement signed on day one, and only about one percent of all agents get that signed on day one. I'm going to be just real here. Ninety nine percent don't do it.
1: Well, it's it's you have to now in Maryland.
0: <laughs> well, you have you have to now in Maryland for the last twenty years. But um, you know, same with other states. But they but still agents don't do it. Or if they do it. I don't know if they actually have that discussion about listen here's the deal I may show you a home that has a commission of x and I charge y and if in any offer that we put in I'm going to put in y into our contract and you're okay with this and by the way we may lose the house if it's competitive bid because I'm asking for more money over from the seller over and above what they're offering in MLS. And I don't think they're actually having that conversation. I think they're just saying here, you know, sign here. I represent you. And it's a disservice to the buyer in a sense, because, you know, the buyer may lose out on contracts and uh, the buyer's not well aware of it. It's not a discussion that's been had with the buyer. Rightfully so. So my question to you is with the moral compass, like with you personally, as an agent, are you, you know, basically saying to the buyer, you know, if you love the house, I am going to, you know, represent you 100% regardless of what the co-op commission is, let the chips fall, they fall where they may, or are you telling them up front they got to pay the difference if the co-op is less than a certain amount?
1: Well where I live in my area majority is still through the MLS so you're still being offered commission you know comp fairly right so it hasn't been an issue so well, if ne- it was if you I if, would never-
0: if someone found a house in Zillow
1: Yeah and that's right how out I there do- and
0: you met him at the house and showed it to him and mm-hmm. you don't have a buyer broker agreement with them, and it, it's a it's a commission that is half of what you normally are used to getting
1: Absolutely, I'll represent them 100%, and I would, would never, I would never make them. But that goes back to my philosophy, uh, not a philosophy, but you know, I've moved nine times in 14 years. I know what it's like to be on the end. I say I don't think realtors move enough because moving is horrific. You don't know who to trust. You don't. You, you think they're cohorting behind you. Um, I don't think buyers should be charged anything. I actually pay the Brian my husband. And I, we pay our buyer fee for our clients because I don't think buyers should be charged anything.
0: What do you right. mean you pay your buyer broker flat fee-, fee
1: the broker flat fee? Oh. Okay. So you take more-
0: it to a whole other level like the like the transaction fee that the broker charges the 495 mm-hmm. or whatever you 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 pay that. So you certainly wouldn't make the buyer pay the difference in a co-op commission.
1: No, and I think it you know, what you put out there will come back. Like in the sense I think you will see it back. Um, the other thing about the the flat freeze you have to tell them on day one when you meet them. That's per the if you're going to charge them, right? You can't sell them a good of services and then not tell them the cost. I mean, I've sat at the closing table and I actually saw a client ask the other agent, "What is this fee?" That client had no idea they were paying a broker fee. So early they usually on, usually don't. They don't, and I think we're more than compensated. I think this is part of the public's perception maybe thinking we're we sound or appear greed or we don't want to spend any money or um, we're, we're paid a nice paycheck for the amount of hours. Typically we all have the one that lingers, but you know, per hour, what we make, it's not that bad.
0: No, no, absolutely. And I think that, I think that that's another thing that goes back to the moral compass of, of, of you know, explaining it. I think it's very easy to explain some of these documents in a very fast manner and most buyers probably have no clue about, you know, the transa- a, a transaction fee or any responsibility for paying, uh, you know, a difference in a co-op commission and what um, a buyer-broker agreement says. As a matter of fact, I, I heard of a lawsuit recently of a um, buyer that bought a house with a builder and they signed a buyer-broker agreement with an agent and the buyer broker agreement was part of an addendum in a contract. Like they submitted an offer with an agent, the deal fell through, but addendum number eleven was a buyer broker agreement. Mm-hmm. And they wanted a commission from the builder. Now I you know, understanding both sides, the legal side of it with the buyers, right, who kind of mm-hmm. didn't want to be attached to a buyer broker agreement and thought it was addendum number 11 of, a, of an offer that didn't get accepted, was that if a, a contract is dead, isn't an addendum dead?
1: Depends how the addendum was, it depends how you wrote it, right? Yeah. Are you talking about a blank addendum or they? addendum? Well, it was
0: a buyer broker agreement that said you're going to pay the commission and the commission was the commission of the house that they put the offer in on and then that deal fell through and then a couple months later they bought a builder home without the agent, you know? Mm-hmm. And the agent said, no, give me my money. We have a buyer broker agreement. And they said, we never signed a buyer broker agreement. And they said, yes, you did. When we put that offer together, you signed one. Correct. And they're like, well, that was just an addendum. It was like a home inspection addendum and a, an a agency addendum and a, you know, whatever addendum. And they're like, but no, that was a
1: broker agreement. is isn't an addendum. It's its own self-sustaining contract. Right.
0: But they saw it as an addendum. They um, saw it as one of 40 pages. They I, seen yeah, it. yeah, yeah.
1: I see where you're going. I got you now. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear. Well, I think, yeah, it's, I mean, that sounds like there's a lot to that story in that case, but yeah. No, but I think what you're saying is, yeah, the moral compass and whatnot. And I mean, how much are you going to fight someone again?
0: Right. The moral it's compass not, of the, the agents should be like, problem. I right. snuck it in and I didn't bring them to the builder, so I don't deserve a commission. Right. In my mind, that should be the moral compass.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and back to another example. You're right. That is a great example. And another, you know, you ask how we implement it, and I know I get a lot of heck from people in my own office on this one. We don't sell our own listings. My team, we do not sell our own listings. NAR came out four years ago with a statistic: a contract is forty percent more likely, forty percent more likely to fall out of contract if it's the same agent handling. If the buyer does not have representation. So Why? I believe it's only going to be a matter.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: Because I think at some point, again, consumers are more educated. The buyer wakes up. It's usually, according to NAR, during the inspection period. I think at some point, the buyer wakes up and realizes, you know, I want representation. And I don't know how then, if we're the listing agent and we only represent our sellers, how can I best be representing my seller if I know there's a 40% more likely chance this contract they have will fall out if if I don't refer it out? So what I say, I think I can sell the home better. So open houses, I'll do showings that come my way with leads, and I refer it out. I make a decent amount of money referring out to agents.
0: So, do you think that, like before, you said the moral compass starts moving away relative to the amount of the commission or the sales price? Mm -hmm. And if you double dip, you get paid twice as much. Mm -hmm. So, do you Mm -hmm. think that could possibly move the moral compass even greater because then the commission doubles?
1: Well, don't you? You're you're gonna.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting, though, to think about, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you're going to be in situations with this buyer that you're representing the seller that you may be, whether you know it or not, you're not, I don't think a lot of agents do it on a malicious intent, but if we're so passionate about, if we're so passionate about how we're needed as realtors, right? A buyer needs us. How can we turn around and say to them, you don't need a realtor. You don't need representation. I think we're contradicting ourselves.
0: Yeah. It almost leads to the discussion or the debate about whether agents should be paid an hourly rate like they are in a lot of the world mm. because then it takes that whole moral compass platform out of there and that you're getting paid. You know what I mean? You're not getting, you, you know, you're not, it's, you could say the same thing with stockbrokers too. Like it's this guy recommending this stock because he's making a commission on it. If he was only making 25 bucks, would he recommend this? Or do you recommend something that's actually, you, you know what I mean? Pays.
1: Lenders try to sell us different programs of the month, right?
0: <laughs> that's true. That's
1: right. True. But, and I think, and I think what you're saying, I mean, we're, we, we can't go to hourly base. That's a whole other, I'd love to talk about that sometime, but because um, <laughs> we're agents and I jokingly say we are horrific about keeping records and keeping track of things. So if you think an agent is going to use a hourly tool that an attorney uses, that's not going to happen. How are you going to want
0: My point is just that it, it might make agents more moral.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, I agree with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but that's another example of the moral compass and yes. Am I losing some money in the upfront? Yes. But again, I think I have sellers always respect that decision and we, it's part of our listing presentation.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, well, this has been fun, man. I'm I'm, this, this is, I I love this stuff and I'm, I'm glad you took it in many different directions. So as you know, everybody that comes on the show brings a free gift. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the free gift in your show notes. Let's put it, okay, guys. I'm going to put the show notes on hybendigital.com backslash agent shrink. Oh,
1: nice. nice. I'm going to put it on
0: hybendigital.com backslash agent shrink. S H R I N K. So, Susan, what is your free gift?
1: Well, nothing to do with psychology. Sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> this a whole other thing. You know, I think we're becoming marketing agents. It's again how the public's perception is changing of us, but how we have to change gone are the day of I our modern right now gone are the days of listing your home. You have to market your home. So you need to hire marketing agents. Um, that's why the team is growing, right? You have a marketing, you have X, Y, Z. So my, when we moved, we call this our forever home in the military. When you retire, you have a forever home. So finally we're living somewhere. So I have a forever farming market. I jokingly tell people. So with that, we started marketing postcards and we do the same marketing that we, we have a farm at 1,200 Homes. We market them, the postcards, we mail them. And then I do the same ad on Facebook, Instagram, and all that social media. So they're seeing it in two different avenues. And uh, so it's just a couple of our marketing ideas because we're receiving some positive feedback. Um, again, it's a sign of the times. People want modern, fresh. It's not about me. You, you won't even see it, my picture in any of these. Um, it's our logo. Um, we're just trying to remove the self-centeredness of... Us and us being the product again. I would say, real estate agents, we're not the rainmakers. We're not. So if we stop seeing ourselves as the center of the transaction, and I think we'll be better served. Yeah. Better serve our clients.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, guys, I'm going to put that on a backslash agent shrink. And I am also going to put it in uh, the agent success toolbox, which you can get on hypendigital.com backslash toolbox or texting the word toolbox to four, 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 nine, nine, nine. Susan, best of luck to you in uh, all your endeavors. Thanks for coming on and being so candid and sharing so much Had a good time. And, uh, I'm ever down there by the Naval Yard in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, uh, We'll get together and break some bread.
1: Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a good day.
0: You too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to Real Estate Rockstars. If this free content is giving you a ton of value, I want to ask a small favor in return. I need you to pull out your pointing finger and hit the subscribe button. Yes, hit subscribe, please. The more subscribers that we get on real estate rock stars, the better guests are attracted to the shows. We'll get more guests from the top companies, from the top teams, and even more celebrity guests like Robert Kiyosaki and Barbara Corcoran. Also, if you're not a member of our free Facebook group, go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Right on Facebook and Join the conversation. I'm on there myself on FaceTime Lives, and we have a lot of communications and questions about the show, and I'd love to see you there. And it's free. People ask me all the time, where am I on social media? I'm real easy to find. Just type in my name. My IG is I am Pat Hyben. It is blowing up on Instagram, adding tons of subscribers, and I'm on there probably twice a day. So definitely follow me on Instagram, as well as everywhere else. Thanks again for listening, and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business
1: podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.